Hello everyone, and welcome back to Lit Crit Podcast. As a quick disclaimer, this episode does have spoilers. In order to share the tea with all of you, I actually have to pour it. So if you haven't read the book yet, or are currently reading, listen to this after you've read the book slash finished it. Now, back to your regularly scheduled Monday podcast with yours truly. Actually, it's Tuesday. We took Monday off in celebration of Juneteenth, so I had it off, so you guys did too. It is your lovely host, Gabrielle McElroy. So, I feel like last week I did a brief overview of the first book, Crave, by Tracy Wolf, and I'd like to take more time to dive into the characters, partly because I really enjoyed the series and the characters, and partly because I need more time to read Crush. I don't want to rush through this book, I want to savor every last minute of this read, and really take the time to suck up the drama and ever-changing characters. Don't spoil anything for me, people. I've been diligently trying my hardest to avoid spoilers. Also, why are the covers of these books so pretty? Like, I get happy every single time I look at these covers of the books. They're just so nice to look at, and no exception is Charm, which Tracy Wolf just released, um, that it's going to be a dual point of view. So, which will be interesting to kind of talk about and learn about and kind of see how the book is going to unfold from both Hudson and Grace's point of view. So I'm excited. Um, but in other news, I've decided that the character that we're going to do a deep dive in with is none other than the crown prince himself, Jackson Vega, the vampire prince that stole your heart and mine. While I spent the beginning of the book loathing him, we can't help but fall for the bad boy with a good heart. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is like every cliche I've ever read. And while you may be right about that, who doesn't love a bad boy who is good just for the one he loves? That's Jackson Vega for you in a nutshell our bad boy vampire prince who's only good for Grace Foster. Literally not everyone in the fandom swooning over the dance under the northern lights. But before we even jump into all the shipping and key moments, we have to start with Jackson Vega by himself, but don't worry, we'll come back to those northern lights. (laughs) When we're first introduced to Jackson, we're met with a hostile, a-hole as I like to call him, you see what I did there, who seems to only care about himself, the school, and his order. I didn't care for him at all, but the thing was, is I saw past his front with Grace, and I won't lie to you. This interaction made me pause. I literally took a step back, because if we're being honest with each other, Jackson Vega is a master at fronts. That first conversation that Jackson has with Grace is exactly that, a freaking front. The minute the conversation shifts away from threats into the deeper connection of lost love is when we see his first wall drop. That wall allows the reader to see that there may be more Jackson Vega than the Heartless Ruler, and that's what I kind of liked about his character, is that he wasn't trying to get Grace to go out of meanness, it was more of a protective mechanism. You know, he's somebody that feels things very, very deeply, and he's not this Heartless Ruler that is originally portrayed in the very beginning of the book, and that Heartless Ruler slowly becomes the gallant prince that not even he suspected. The first act towards this transformation is when he saves Grace from the wolves. And I mean, poor Grace is literally just minding her business, trying to find any sense of normalcy, and gets attacked essentially by these two wolves that just think they have it all going on. And honestly, can we pause really quick? Because I, for a second, when I was reading this book, I thought Jackson was a wolf, like a werewolf. I don't know why, but I just did. But then obviously, you know, we see that this world has more than just werewolves and vampires like Twilight. It has, you know, dragons and a gargoyle. So, you know, there's that. But it surprised both myself (laughs) and Grace that Jackson was there to save her. I was like, why is this man lurking? But even with this odd pop-up and him saving Grace, I realized that there was more to this man than I had originally thought. 
he was someone for all his flaws actually cared about this human being and didn't want to see her hurt and he puts on these shows like when he's in the cafeteria and he like walks in with like all the gucci on and like steals a strawberry from like this pile and like eats it in front of everybody like he's just it's all fronts with jackson and that's like what's important to know like it's literally just fronts upon front upon front and at the core of all he's a sweet guy a guy that nine out of ten of us will probably swoon over and that's just jackson vega for you he'll save your life from werewolves and dragons alike which leads me to our next transition the snowball fight to end all snowball fights was i the only one that caught a chill here <laughs> everyone knows that i love my jokes if you listen to this podcast regularly you know that i make jokes all the time in my episodes but <laughs> all kidding aside Jackson swoops in again to save Grace's life, this time from falling out of a tree. And honestly, maybe we should have all listened to Jackson's warning in the beginning. Academy Academy is definitely not a safe place for you or for me, unless, of course, you have the brilliant Jackson to use his powers to make another man save you. Speaking of another, of another man, like Flint. Come on, I liked you. Like, why'd you have to go and join the dark side? And obviously, we see him make more of a redemption journey towards the end, and we see why he was doing, but why he was doing what he was doing. But at the end, like, come on. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. <laughs> but not only is there major beef between Flint and Jackson before the snowball fight, did you ever think you'd read about a dragon and a vampire having a pissing match over a snowball? Let's just say the issue gets even bigger when we learn that Flint was going to let Grace fall right out of the tree. Like, he had no intention of saving her, and only by the magical powers of Jackson is she even alive. And I kind of want to touch on Jackson and Flint's relationship. Like, they used to be friends before Hudson, and I think it's interesting to see their relationship kind of unfold especially as i'm reading crush you know it's like what was their relationship pre-hudson and that has kind of made me take a take a pause back and even when you learn that in the first book that they used to be good friends um his motivations and you know his intentions are obviously looking at you know his brother and what happened to his older brother so i mean i understand his motives of why he joined the dark side but still it was wrong so and like I said, only by the magical powers of Jackson is she even alive. So, but then we see with Grace having a perfect, like, a perfect moment for Grace. She has a broken ankle, which obviously isn't good for her, but it allows the, it allows the reader to dissect the humor and kindness that Jackson Vega most certainly has. Like, the fact that he literally sends Grace a copy of Twilight. Like, come on. The dude obviously has a sense of humor. Like, he's a vampire who sends her a copy of the capital T-H-E underline vampire book. And he sends her post-it notes with some of the most memorable quotes. Let's just take a moment. Are you even a vamp fan? If you don't recall, I said it would be better if we weren't friends. Not that I didn't want to be. But his sense of humor doesn't stop there. We see a moody and brooding prince open to a world of knock-knock jokes. Grace is telling them, so no doubt there's probably a bit of bias. But eventually this man starts coming up with him himself. Excuse me while I swoon. But it's not even the humor that is a saving grace. Get it? I thought I would try and be funny in honor of the couple separated by stone. It's the fact that he's kind and he's probably always been that way. Sending Grace a book, sending her breakfast like it came from the Ritz instead of the school cafeteria in freaking Alaska. He cares and that's why I believe that he's in so much pain during the entire 600 page of the book. He's been silently suffering for far too long and with Grace, he can finally showcase that he cares about anything other than his reputation, walls, and fronts. I will say, though, that I do believe he openly cares about the Order, which I believe that we could probably have a whole podcast on this organization and the structure of these vamps. I'm obsessed with them, obviously, because you should be. It's only right that these men receive some recognition. They're good guys. Maybe too good. 
I'm getting like a take on the sins of thy father vibe, blind, blind loyalty to a sense. So I'm kind of left wondering what secrets these men are really hiding. I love them. Like, don't get me wrong. But like I said, secrets of thy father, they're kind of what I would call the I buried a body friends and the ones who would not only help you hide the shovel they would like help you do it they would hide the shovel they would bury the, like they literally were like are all in for you and so they go to the end of the earth for our prince and it kind of makes me wonder about their loyalty to hudson before jackson stepped into the void but that's enough with the order in hudson for now we have to refocus our efforts back on the man of the hour and to make my point once again jackson vega is kind thoughtful and funny i mean he literally plans a dance under the northern lights like what excuse me yet again what a thoughtful vamp and you're lying to yourself if you'd said you didn't swoon just a little you see our vampire prince is truly quite gallant he's gallant from beginning to end and the beginning is exactly where i'd like to loop back to i want to further dive into that first conversation between grace and jackson so we can dissect together that he's always been a good boy at heart and as i said in the beginning of this podcast the first conversation he has with grace is a front also he can protect her and those around him but when the conversation shifts from fear to understanding between the two the sparks start to fly and i loved that moment between jackson and grace where they were able to connect over a pain so deep that only those who have been affected by it can recognize it and i think that's why laia was able to connect with grace so early on and why their connection was so strong i hate her of course but their connection was over lost love and while parental and spousal love is different the grief is similar enough Jackson's able to connect with Grace over the loss of his brother and the pain that he's harbored since his death. And what we don't focus enough in, on is the pain that Jackson must have also felt when he lost Laia. This girl lost her ever-loving mind, don't get me wrong, but have you heard the song by Taylor Swift when she literally says, don't blame me, love made me crazy, if it doesn't, you ain't doing it right? Like, honestly, I listened to this song in the car in preparation for the podcast, and I was like, this is her song. Like, this song and the, Reput the Reputation album is this girl's song. <laughs> but consumed by grief, she went crazy, and in the process, she lost herself and her best friend, yet again proving that Jackson has faced more emotional trauma, not only losing his brother, but his best friend at the same time. Poor boy. The pain he's faced is on another level of unspeakable. That pain is something that we need to dissect by itself. Obviously, vampires are supernatural creatures, and murder is kind of part of their lifestyle, but even with that said, between his abusive mother and the murder of his brother, his abusive mother and the murder of his brother you would think homeboy would need a little help in the emotional coping department like come on the poor boy has been through it he should definitely be seeing the school psychologist but we could literally have an entire episode around the emotional trauma that this man has faced side note how the chessboard and pieces emulated characters from the story was extremely clever on wolf's part i play chess i love chess it's like one of my favorite games but like the fact that the vampire queen that jackson tries to scare grace with was his mother like let me tell you i was literally shook but let's be honest here, it's not like the vampire queen deserves a round of applause here. She literally gave her son a scar on his face, and in the in this vampire world, they don't scar easily. The pain, both physically and emotionally, explains a lot of his behavior in the first book. Like, let's- vampire queen is not getting an applause. Like, her- like, that one mention was enough for me. I was like, she's crazy. She's not winning mother of the year anytime soon, you know? And the thing is, the more I read, the worse I felt for Jackson. You know, he wasn't this entitled prince that I originally thought. He was the ocean being punished for crashing against the shore. And the distraction left in his wake couldn't be helped. And that's something that we have to touch on. Jackson Vega isn't human. He's an all-powerful vampire prince. And that power that he emulates is definitely something to be fearful of. But that doesn't mean that we have to be afraid of him. And honestly, I think that Grace does a really good job showcasing that Jackson is more than someone 
that people should be afraid of. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of his wrath, hello Cole, but he's also someone who's thoughtful and who has a sense of humor. Something that one would say that Edward Cullen lacks. You didn't think I was going to address the Edward B. Cullen Jacks Edward Cullen B. Jackson Vega debate, did you? Is Jackson Vega the younger, more modern version of Edward Cullen? The answer might surprise you. While I definitely believe that there are influences from Stephanie Meyer in her work in the book, I also believe that the series is independent. It's not a copycat and her characters have individuality. Jackson Vega may have influences from Edward Cullen, but at the end of the day, he's a different vamp with different motivations. The only strikingly similar thing that I can think of between the pair is the protectiveness. But honestly, you could boil that down to being a species thing. So are they really that similar? If you think they are, please let me know. You can submit your thoughts and feelings to our Instagram, which is at lit.crit.podcast. You guys know that though. Um, I would absolutely love to read your comments in the podcast and discuss what you all think or any questions that you have, I would love to answer. The world of Catmere Academy is confusing and the characters match that. Their intentions or feelings are ever-changing, but that could also be attributed to the fact that they are teenagers too. Very adult acting teenagers, but teenagers nonetheless. It's my belief though that Jackson is his own man and he should be treated that way not looming in the shadow of Edward or Hudson. Don't think that for even a minute I was going to zoom past one of the biggest plot points of this whole story. Hudson Vega, the original heir to the vampire court and the devil incarnate. Or is he really? Perspective is ever-changing, and I don't know if I completely trust Jackson's account of his brother. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore Jackson. This entire podcast is dedicated to him. But I feel like there's more to the story. Jackson is an amazing liar. To put up a front like you don't care about the world when you're bleeding out slowly on the inside, you have to be both a master of perception and a master of the tales that you tell. I know what you're thinking. The order backed up Jackson. And while that's definitely true, would why wouldn't they? They're devout to the heir, and after seeing the power that Jackson wielded, would you want to go against him? And like I said earlier, their structure, the hierarchy, the way it runs is differently. I mean, we literally could have a whole podcast on them. So... While I believe that Hudson Vega is probably not going to win Brother of the Year anytime soon, especially after he tries to kill his brother at the end of the book, we again have to remember that they're not human, and Jackson metaphorically threw the first punch. And since Hudson is now back, I'm interested to see how the truth is peeled back. The original heir is back and trapped with Jackson's mate. That's something that I want to hit on the head. I've danced around the topic, but I want to fully pay respects to the vampire princes themselves. When I learned that Jackson was a prince, I think my jaw probably hit the floor. Not only do we get a paranormal love story, but we get to deal with the court. And if you read fantasy at all, you know the stakes of introducing any sort of hierarchy in the world world. Either it goes really well with the fan base or it doesn't. And I like the fact that Wolf uses a monarchy here. It adds a little flair and spice to the story. And let's be honest, like who, who doesn't love a prince? But this royal family isn't all that it seems. A dead brother, an abusive mother, and a murderer for an heir. We haven't even met the Vampire King, but I have no doubt that he's probably just as bad, if not worse, than the rest of his family. But hey, maybe he's the normal one in this family and has zero trauma. I'm kidding, of course. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how the dynamic will play out with the family now that Hudson is back. Will his place be restored amongst the court? How will his parents react to the news? Are we going to meet the Vampire King? All questions that I'm hoping will be answered and crushed, because we all know is that Grace and Hudson are trapped together in stone, though I don't think they'll be trapped for that long. Also, I read the preview at the end of the book for Crush, and I thought it was genius to have Jackson and Grace's first interaction be told from his perspective. Obviously, it was a part of Crush, but we get to see the true Jackson that we knew was there all along. And also, we find out that they're mates, which I touched on earlier, but we suspected this, of course, if you've read the book from Maya's account, but now that it's been confirmed from his point of view, like, come on. Like, no wonder this man changed his tune so quickly. 
but getting a first-hand account of the softer inside of Jackson was so nice, it felt like we got a chance to experience what Grace did, to get to know Jackson on a much more intimate level. We were inside his head, and as the reader knows, that's the best way to get to know a character. Though actions can sometimes speak just as loudly as words, and the fact that Jackson literally tore down a wall to get his mate back makes me think he'll stop it. Nothing less to get Grace back. This couple literally just said I love you and they just got to be happy. Like, we should all let them enjoy it instead of Grace sacrificing herself for Jackson and then being turned into a gargoyle of all things, which I really want to touch on. Like, the fact that Grace is literally a gargoyle, I was like, hold on. Like, let's let's go back. Like, we have a vampire, we have witches, we have dragons, and now we have a gargoyle and apparently there hasn't been one in a thousand years. And I will do a whole dissect on that, I promise, because how could you not, how could you not want to? But like I said, this is Jackson Vegas podcast. So I think these two deserve happiness, but I'm not naive in thinking that there's going to be complications along the way. I'm starting to read book two, so these are all just my preliminary thoughts on the vampire prince himself. I could change my tune next time you guys hear from me, but as of right now, I'm kind of obsessed with him. Let me know what you all think about the com- about him, about this podcast, about anything really in the comments below or on our Instagram. Um, so check back in next Monday to, dis- to dissect the world of Catmere Academy again. Will I be done with Crush or will it be me discussing another character in the effort to save it the series? Remember to like, comment, and follow. Um, also, we're doing a book giveaway on my Instagram, so if you would like to enter, these are the rules. You have to go in, make sure you're following me, then you have to tag two friends and be 18 years old or have parents' permission. You can check it out on the Instagram, which is at lit.crit.podcast. Um, and in honor of the crown prince, I'm going to link a playlist on the Instagram just for him. Thanks for listening, guys, and I will see you next week.